Autumn Leaves. Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. In this week's lesson, you are going to discover two forms of melodic improvisation that you need to master. You're going to learn how to begin developing jazz language for improvisation, and you're going to play four cyclical quadruplet patterns from the root, third, fifth, and seventh of the minor sound. As always, I want to stress that regardless of where you are in your jazz journey, a beginner, an intermediate player, or even if you're an experienced professional, you will find this podcast, this lesson, to be beneficial. Also, as with all my Jazz Piano Skills podcasts, there is a supplemental educational guide available that can be easily downloaded from jazzpianoskills.com. The guide musically notates the jazz piano skill being explored in the podcast lesson in all 12 keys. It's a great resource to add to your jazz piano library. I'll provide you with some more information at the end of this podcast. So, sit back, relax, turn on your ears, and get ready to discover, learn, and play part one of stationary improvisation. Stationary improvisation. What the heck is that? <laughs> right? Stationary improvisation. Listen, we all want to play lines up and down the piano, right? Typically fast scales, fast arpeggios. They're flashy, right? They're impressive. They display dominance. However, they're like the three-point shot in basketball. They're cool, but they're only one of many other necessary parts of the game. And so it is with improvisation. Fast, linear lines are only a part of the melodic improvisational equation. Other parts needing attention that we rarely talk about and that is rarely stressed or focused upon in jazz books. How about rhythm? Repetition. How about this one? Silence. I think you're getting my point. There's more to improvising than playing as fast as you possibly can up and down the piano using scales and arpeggios. So what is stationary improvisation? Well, stationary improvisation, stationary ideas or motifs, I guess an easy way to define it is something, it's something that is happening musically, something that is being stated, but the linear movement is limited to a small and very specific geographical region of the piano. A perfect example of this, of stationary improvisation, would be cyclical quadruplets. Whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Yes, cyclical 
quadruplets. I just love saying I just love saying that name or that expression. Makes you sound smart, right? Cyclical quadruplets. So what is a cyclical quadruplet? Well, cyclical, it's an idea that's cyclical in that we end at the very spot where we began, right? We end where we begin. In quadruplet, in that we are going to use only four notes. We end where we begin, and we use only four notes. Here are a couple more characteristics of the cyclical quadruplet. Two motions. We're going to use two motions with each cyclical quadruplet. Scale motion and arpeggio motion. And we're going to travel one of two directions with each of our cyclical quadruplets. We're going to travel either up or we're going to travel down. So cyclical quadruplets. We end where we begin. We use only four notes. We're going to incorporate two motions, scales and arpeggio, and travel two directions, either up or down. So let's build some cyclical quadruplets. Let's create some music using this concept. Today I'm going to illustrate everything using a minor sound, F minor. And of course, I just want to stress that everything we do today with F minor and the minor sound can be applied to the major sound, the dominant sound, the half diminished and the diminished sound as well. So here we go. Cyclical quadruplet number one. We're going to start with the note F. We are going to ascend using arpeggio motion to the third, to A flat. And then we're going to come back. We're going to return to the root using scale motion, playing the note G and F. So we get F, A flat, G, F. Pick up on that. Four notes. One, two, three, four. F, A flat, G, F. Cyclical in that we start with F, we end with F and we use only four notes in the process. Cyclical quadruplet pattern number two. We're going to start on our F. We're going to descend using arpeggio motion down to the note D. And we're, we are going to return to F using ascending scale motion, E flat and F. So we get F, D, E-flat, F. Again, four notes. One, two, three, four. We start with F. We end with F. Cyclical quadruplet pattern number three. We are going to start on F again note F, the root, we are going to ascend to the note A flat, to the third, using scale motion. And now we're going to return to F with an arpeggio, just dropping down to F, A flat down to F. So we get, so four notes again, one, two, three, four. We start with F, we end with F. And cyclical quadruplet pattern number four. Once again, we begin with the root, with the note F. We are going to use scale motion and descend down to the note D. And return to F with arpeggio motion from that D back up to the F. So we get, just as with the other three cyclical quadruplets, four notes, one, two, three, four, using scale and arpeggio motion. 
So here are all four cyclical quadruplets played back to back. Cyclical quadruplet number one. Cyclical quadruplet number two. Cyclical quadruplet number three. And cyclical quadruplet number four. We have four cyclical quadruplets, four cyclical quadruplet patterns that we are going to utilize, that we are going to use to help us to begin developing stationary improvisation. Now, some of you may have heard, because I'm using that word pattern, and that is sometimes frowned upon in the jazz, in the jazz world. It's almost like in some circles, it's a bad word, right? Pattern, because it's, it's uh, believed to be contrary to uh, creative thought uh, and improvisational, true improvisational skills and development. This could not be further from the truth. I want to take just a moment and share with you possibly the greatest paragraph on jazz, about jazz improvisation ever written and placed into a book. I think it's the greatest paragraph in jazz education, jazz piano, jazz improvisation um, that has ever been written. And it comes from Jerry Coker's Complete Method for Improvisation. Jerry Coker being one of the pioneers in jazz education. Uh, anything written by Jerry Coker, I would recommend for you to read and to spend some time studying. This particular book, which I believe, I'm not sure it's even in print uh, at this time, uh, was published around 1980. And again, the title of the book is Jerry Coker's Complete Method for Improvisation. The paragraph that I am referring to can be found on page 23 of that book, about halfway down the page. And I believe that this is the greatest, once again, the greatest paragraph ever written in jazz education. Here's what it says. Patterns in themselves are not very creative though they often serve as springboards for creative melodies. Let me just stop there for a second. Did you get the, get, did you hear that? They often serve as springboards, as a launch pad for creative melodies. He goes on to say, yet a casual glance at virtually any transcribed improv, improvised solo will quickly reveal a notable presence of patterns and other common cliches. Again, I want to just stop right there. Listen to that sentence again. A casual glance. In other words, you don't even have to look very hard, right? Just a casual glance at any transcribed improvised solo will quickly reveal a notable presence of patterns and other common jazz cliches. So in other words, patterns are used all over the place by jazz musicians of every era. Mr. Coker goes on to say, the patterns were acquired by the improviser in practice, and he italicized the word practice, rather than performance. Again, the patterns were acquired by the improviser, by you, by me, in practice rather than performance. He goes on to say, that is to say, the pattern was practiced apart from any specific vehicle. It's interesting that he uses the word vehicle. What he's alluding to there is apart from any specific song, right? That the jazz musician is not practicing a song. 
okay? More, more likely practicing a pattern, like, I mean, I'm sorry, a progression, like a two-five-one progression, or just simply a single sound, like, like we're going to do today, like F minor. So, again, Mr. Coker says the pattern was practiced apart from any specific vehicle, any specific song, in preparation for improvisation, and now listen to this, and repeated, repeated a sufficient number of times in practice so that the, pian uh, the pattern becomes a habitual oral, memory, and physical experience that carries over into performance naturally and not as contrived practice. So here's what we've learned so far in this paragraph. Number one, patterns serve as springboards for creative melodies. The patterns themselves are not the main idea here. The pattern is a springboard, a launching pad, to help us develop, to discover melodic ideas. Number two, we learn that jazz musicians of every era use patterns and they are uh, discovered in their transcribed solos. So if decades of great jazz musicians have leaned on and utilized patterns to help them to develop jazz language for improvisation, then I'm going to follow the same suit. I'm going to imitate my heroes. We also learn that patterns are practiced apart from any specific song. Jazz musicians will focus on maybe a, a progression, like a 2-5-1, or zero in on a very specific sound. Again, like we're going to do today with F minor. I think another side note that's so important to point out, that Mr. Coker talks about that the patterns are practiced, right? Practiced. Improvisation is practiced. That seems to be a, a contradictory term or phrase, right? I tell students all the time, if you want to be creative, practice creativity. And that is at the heart of what Mr. Coker is getting at here. We've also learned from this paragraph that the patterns are practiced uh, over and over and over again until they become a habitual oral memory and physical experience that carries over to the performance naturally, right? So uh, I think of it as, um, you know, if you reach out and touch a hot pot, you instinct instinctually release that pot immediately. It's an immediate instinctual reaction to grabbing onto a hot pot with your bare hands. Improvisation patterns have to be practiced in such a way and repeated a sufficient number of times that they become like uh, touching that hot pot. They're just an instinctual physical reaction to the stimuli whether it's the stimuli being the music that they're hearing, another musician's interaction with them, uh, the mere thought of a sound or a chord, um, seeing something written in the music triggers this instinctual reaction. Finally, Mr. Coker concludes this paragraph by making a point to say that the content of the improviser's solo with respect to patterns that surface frequently changes slowly as the improviser takes up new patterns in practice. The most recently acquired patterns tending to be used more often until still newer patterns replace them. In other words, the soloist patterns in performance often indicate his most current practice habits. Bottom line, Mr. Coker is saying, be patient. It takes time to develop language. It takes time to utilize these patterns uh, to develop jazz language that you can just readily um, utilize during your solos. Such a great paragraph. So much to unpack and so much truth buried within that paragraph that I stress that uh, I think that you should 
uh, maybe do a little Google search out there. I think, in fact, I think the book is in PDF format that you can uh, look at online, uh, pull up online, and go to page 23 and let, let your eyes read through that paragraph several, time, several times and think about what he is um, communicating, what he is stressing to you and me. So today, we are going to use patterns, cyclical quadruplets, right, to serve as springboards for creative melodies. And we're first going to approach this process by simply getting the pattern under our fingers before we try to actually utilize the pattern to create melodic ideas or jazz language. So we have four cyclical quadruplet patterns that we are going to use to help us practice creativity. Each pattern we are going to explore, we're going to look at from the root, from the third, from the fifth, and from the seventh of the F minor sound. So for example, cyclical quadruplet pattern one, which is F to A flat to G back to F. Right, that specific pattern we're gonna play off the root of F minor. Then we're gonna move it to the third we're going to move that pattern to the fifth, and then we're going to move that pattern to the seventh. And we're going to do that exact same process for all four of the cyclical quadruplets. Now, before I dig in and start modeling and demonstrating how I practice the cyclical quadruplets. I want to just take a moment again to stress how important it is when you're practicing any jazz piano skill that the number one objective of practicing that skill is to make music. In other words, we do not practice cyclical quadruplets, patterns, exercises like their exercises. We want to be musical. It should sound like music. If somebody walked into the room, they should get the impression that we are playing something, that we are making music, that we're not simply practicing an exercise. Remember, in my podcast last week, I stressed how important it is to pay attention to the details when you're practicing, right? To pay attention to articulation, balance, sound, your abs, right? Articulation, balance, sound, abs, your musical abs. So when we're playing these cyclical quadruplets, it's more than just getting the pattern under our fingers. It's about making that pattern sound like music so that when we begin using that pattern, that cyclical quadruplet, as a springboard, as a launch pad, as Mr. Coker referred to, uh, to utilize the cyclical quadruplet as a launch pad to develop jazz language, we're making music. And finally, stay focused, right? The objective today is to learn four cyclical quadruplets and to be able to play those cyclical quadruplets from the root, third, fifth, and seventh of a sound. So don't uh, get off track. We're not gonna get off track and begin to improvise today. That's gonna come next week in part two of this uh, topic of cyclical quadruplets. So let's dig in. Let's play cyclical quadruplets. We're gonna start with the root of F minor, the F minor sound, and the very first cyclical quadruplet I'm going to do is going to be ascending arpeggio scale motion, right? So we'll start from the root, 
We're going to ascend using arpeggio motion to the A flat. We begin our descent using scale motion to the note G, back to the note F. So we get this. So here we go. I'm going to use that pattern and I'm going to practice it first with some space between each cyclical quadruplet. Then I'm going to shorten that space up. You'll hear it as I do it. And I'm just going to focus on playing with a nice sound, a nice feel, nice articulation, nice balance between my hands, my left hand voicing, my right hand cyclical quadruplet, right? And I want to produce a nice jazz sound. So here we go. Cyclical quadruplet number one off the root, arpeggio, ascending arpeggio, scale motion. Here we go. Now I think you're going to get the you get the idea. I'm going to use this exact same format, this exact same process, going to go through the exact same routine for all four of our cyclical quadruplets. So here is cyclical quadruplet number two. Again, we're launching from the root. We're going to descend this time using arpeggio scale motion. So we're going to start on the root F. We're going to descend down to the note D using arpeggio motion, F down to D, and then we're going to ascend back to the F using scale motion. So that would include the note E flat and then back to F. So we get, right? So here we go. Cyclical quadruplet number two. stress real quick that I'm actually playing these at a tempo of 160. They do not need to be played that fast. I'm doing that just for the sake of the podcast and for the sake of time. In fact, I would encourage you to practice these at various tempos, right? Everything from 80 to 100, 120, 140, right? Various tempos. So don't think that this is a speed exercise because it's not. Okay, so here we go with uh, cyclical quadruplet number three. Again, we're going to launch from the root. We're going to go back to ascending motion, but we're going to begin with scale, right? So now we start with our F. We're going to use scale motion to ascend up to our third, to our A flat, and then descend back to the F using arpeggiated motion. All right, so we get... Again. Okay, so here we go. 
cyclical quadruplet number three, launching from the root of F minor, ascending using scale motion, and descending using arpeggio motion. Here we go. If you notice, again, I'm not doodling. I'm not trying to improvise. That's not our objective today. Our objective today is to play these cyclical quadruplets, get them under our fingers, in our ears, right? To understand them conceptually, mentally, and to actually make them, in and of themselves, sound musical. We'll improvise using these next week. So, okay, number four, our fourth cyclical quadruplet. We are going to, once again, launch from the root. We're going to start on our F. We're going to descend using scale motion down to the D, down to the six, and then return to the F using arpeggio motion. So we get scale arpeggio from the root. All right, let's hear what this sounds like. Okay, we just went through all four cyclical quadruplets launching from the root. Again, cyclical quadruplet number one, cyclical quadruplet number two, cyclical quadruplet number three, and cyclical quadruplet number four. Now that you know the cyclical quadruplets, it's time for us to take those exact same four patterns, right? And now we're just going to repeat the process, launching from the third. So here we go. Cyclical quadruplet number one, from the third. Starting on A flat. Now your ears can already hear this, right? Ascending, and then descending. Here we go.
Nice. Okay, you know the routine. So now we're going to stay on the third. We're going to descend to the root and ascend back to the third. Beautiful sound. Let's take a listen. Okay, so we just completed our cyclical quadruplets on the third using arpeggiated motion first followed by scale motion. Now we're going to reverse that process. So now we're going to stay on the third, but we're going to ascend using scale motion and return to the uh, third using arpeggiated motion, right? So we get scale motion first then return with the uh, arpeggiated motion back to the third. So we get... Okay, let's listen to this one. So I don't even need to tell you what's next. You already know, right? Staying on the third, we are going to descend using scale motion, return to the third using arpeggiated motion. So we get start on the third, descend using scale motion, and then return to the third using arpeggiated motion from the F to the A flat. So we get... Here we go. So now we have completed the third. We've taken all four cyclical quadruplets and we have played them from the third. Now we're going to move the same four cyclical quadruplets to the fifth. So what I'm going to do, because you now know the process of, uh, of each four of all each of the four cyclical quadruplets, I'm going to just play for you one right after the other for the fifth, right? So on the fifth, the very first one you're going to hear 
it's going to be root, I mean, I'm sorry, fifth, starting on the fifth, C, ascending. So we get this one, followed by number two, followed by number three, and followed by number four. All right? So here we go. Let's listen to all four. Very nice. It's amazing, right? It's amazing that you take these cyclical quad quadruplets, the same four patterns, but when you move them, you shift them from the root to the third to the fifth. How different they sound, right? Because you're just focusing on a different region within the F minor sound. And um, it just has a whole new complexion, a whole new sound when you shift that pattern from root to the third to the fifth. So with that in mind, let's listen to all four of the cyclical quadruplets, shifting them now from the fifth to the seventh, right? So we're going to get uh, cyclical quadruplet number one from the seventh. Nice. 
nice. Number two from the seventh. Number three from the seventh. And number four from the seventh. Great sounds. So let's take a listen to all four cyclical quadruplets launching from the seventh. Here we go. How cool. Uh, as you can see, you got your work cut out for you this week, right? We got to take these cyclical quadruplets. I want you to um, play through, obviously, all four cyclical quadruplets from the root, third, fifth, and seventh of the F minor sound. Uh, and then, of course, time permitting this week, do the exact same thing for all 12 minor sounds. And if you're really brave, if you're really courageous and you got the time, start moving those cyclical quadruplets to the major sound, to the dominant sound, half diminished and diminished. Got a lot of work to do. So um, that's, that's the focus this week. Next week, I'm going to use those, uh, these cyclical quadruplets 
and I'll begin demonstrating and illustrating how to use those patterns, like Mr. Coker, Jerry Coker said in that paragraph, how to use those patterns uh, to serve as springboards, as launching pads to develop, to begin developing melodic ideas and jazz language for your improvisation. So I hope you have found as always, this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson on stationary improvisation, part one, to, to be beneficial. I hope you found it to be very beneficial. I want to remind you once again that, that there is a supplemental educational guide specifically for this podcast where I musically notate all of the cyclical quadruplets uh, for the minor sounds um, uh, that you can find and download at jazzpianoskills.com. Once you get to jazzpianoskills.com, simply click on the podcast link on the homepage and you will find this episode along with the download link for the supplemental guide. The guide beautifully, like I said, notates the content of this podcast for all 12 keys. It's a great resource to have in your jazz piano library and to use it as a reference when you're practicing. Have it sitting right there next to you on the, on the, on the piano. Be sure to check it out at jazzpianoskills.com. If you are wanting to study this topic extensively, I encourage you to check out my Jazz Piano Skills courses. Uh, again, you can find these at jazzpianoskills.com. My courses are packed with comprehensive lessons that explore essential jazz piano skills. Uh, each lesson, each course, each lesson contains detailed instructions and illustrations in-depth educational talks, interactive learning media, traditional guides and worksheets that you can download and utilize when practicing, high-definition video demonstrations of me playing the skills in all 12 keys. So you can, can zero in and focus on my hand positions and fingerings and so forth. Uh, Play-along tracks to utilize. And, uh, of course, lead sheets that you can print out and have on your piano as well. Uh, professional and personal educational support, of course, is available. And then, uh, I love this, mobile access to all my courses and lessons from any of your smart devices. Your tablets, your phones, uh, your uh, computers, your watch even. So, uh, mobile access. So that's it for now. And until next week, enjoy the journey. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Thank you.